to the Culinary Citizen. This is Kelsey. And Rebecca. And this week we're talking to Anthony and Layla from Recipe Hunters. I met these guys when I was tabling at the Fancy Food Show in San Francisco a few years ago and ended up working with them through my local slow food chapter. They came out and did a lecture actually several lectures for the local college and also did a, um, I guess it was kind of like a dinner highlighting some of the recipes they learned from their recent travels in Mexico. Today we talked to them about some of the stuff that they're currently working on. Yeah, so they they did kind of a lot of people's dream where they quit their jobs and they started this nonprofit where they share traditional recipes and stories through films and writing and all of this different stuff. And they do a lot of really beautiful films on their website. You can check it out there. And they travel all over the world. They go have been to a lot of different places and they have a lot of places coming up in the future. So let's go ahead and listen to how we can also get that dream job. Welcome, Anthony and Layla, to The Culinary Citizen. Hello, how you doing? Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Anthony and Layla, could you please give us just a little bit of background on yourselves and how you started Recipe Hunters? started Recipe Hunters about four years ago. Before the Recipe Hunters, I actually started a healthcare tech company and lived in Costa Rica. And food has always been the center of me calming down after work through eating good food. And also it's been a safe haven for me when I grew up in an Italian-American household and my mom would make Sunday sauce. It would bring the whole family together. So it was only a matter of time to get involved in in the food world. (laughs) Basically, I was working in cancer research in Boston and I was pursuing work in the sciences and I really loved it, but I was working with metastatic cancer patients and through that it really changed my perception on life and what I wanted out of it. So I slowly but surely decided that I wanted to take a hiatus and I wanted to like delve into the creative arts because that's what I had always loved but never really felt like, you know, you could find a career in that or that you could pay the bills with that. So around the same time, Anthony and I decided that we wanted to like travel and we wanted to find out what we really loved in life because, you know, we had both spent, I don't know, eight years going to school and then working in these like high stress jobs and sort of forgetting like who we were in a way and like what we loved. And, and so we decided like, it was actually really funny. Like we, do you remember we wrote that? Yeah, um, we, we wanted to like figure out what we wanted to do and we wanted to travel. So we were like, all right, we don't want to influence each other. So let's create two separate lists to figure out what we want to do when we travel. Cause we want to have some goals in mind. So we put it, we put our separate list together and it was all based around food. So it was like foraging for mushrooms in Spain, making cheese in Italy, learning how to make wine in France, learning how to harvest olive oil, learning how to make kimchi in Korea. So we put those things together and we're like, all right, how do we do this? We need to figure out you know, a way to travel and, and see and do all these things. And we want to learn from locals because that has been like our, our best experiences is learning from locals. So let's actually use Workaway, which is, I don't know if you guys know, but Workaway is a website where you could find volunteer opportunities around the world. And it's a cultural exchange where you volunteer for 25 hours a week and return for room and board. So we were doing this around the world. And at the same time, we were starting to ask people if they could share their food culture with us by teaching us recipes. 
so that's the long answer to how we started as recipe hunters. Do you guys still use Workaway to find partners to highlight in your videos and photographs, or have you guys kind of expanded and now are incorporating other ways to meet people? So one of the reasons why we did start with Workaway was to meet the locals because it was a great way to, you know, infiltrate a, a social community. So, you know, we would meet, we would stay with a family and then we would meet their, you know, their great aunts and we would tell them what we were doing. We were searching for local recipes and they would, you know, connect us with those people. So that really worked out for us. It's been four years now that we've been doing this. And what we found is like that, although we do still like to do work away is that we also use our network in different ways so for instance like we've been working with slow food most recently where we know that the people of slow food have a lot of the same values and morals and ethos that we do and so we'll reach out let's say we were going to slow food macedonia and we reached out to their head we're like hey guys like we love to come document some traditional recipes with you guys do you have anyone in mind that you would like to highlight and so now it's really great because we've coupled up with slow food in a lot of ways where we're giving them content we're promoting what they do and at the same time we've found amazing individuals that you know really follow what we believe in mm -hmm. and i think i think there's the other aspect of it is time with Workaway. you know you're, you're devoting a lot of time to helping on the farm and and being with one specific family and if we don't have as much time to be in a specific country, it's easier to go and work with like a, an organization that has been doing the, the the same stuff that we're looking for and do it in a more coordinated, collaborated effort. But like we do sometimes are like, oh, we miss doing work away all the time because it, it was like the aspect of like, you're actually helping a family and, and, you know, with more than your content, you're actually like helping plant some seeds or harvest something and, you know, it's, it's also satisfactory work and I, and I, the field. Yeah, and I think the other thing about Workaway is, I don't know if any of you li listeners out there have tried Workaway or heard about it or woofing. We've done woofing too. But what's great about Workaway is that you can search for what you're interested in doing, and they'll show you a list of hosts around the world that have these various projects that need help with that subject. So let's say you're interested in you know, painting. Well, maybe there's like um, a school in Uruguay that needs help painting a mural. And it's like a great way that you can delve into your passions and at the same way, and at the same time, be helping other people. So actually, we're thinking about doing work away again in about a month and a half, just because we, we miss it. Like we, the last time we did it was a year ago, we did the olive harvest, which we try to do every year. We love the olive harvest. And this time it's like we miss, you know, being in agriculture. We miss getting our hands dirty. So we're thinking about doing that. Yeah. So definitely we still do use work away. And I hate to say use work away. We, I don't know how it's like we. Yeah, we're part, part of it. Yeah. You mentioned that you have some values in common with Slow Food, which is why you wanted to work with them. And I was just curious, what are those values? So when we first started out, it was really funny. Like Anthony's personality is very outgoing and, and I'm definitely very outgoing as well, but Anthony, what we would do is we, we would, you know, work on these farms and we would spend our off time, like going to the neighbors, knocking on their door and being like, Hey, this is, we're helping out as a volunteer. We're volunteering down the street at this farm. We're looking for traditional recipes. Like, do you know anyone in the area that is like, has, and is really well known for cooking something like this traditionally Sweden, like they're Swedish, let's say. So that's like how we started out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With traditional foods. And then we realized that like, Sometimes that these traditional foods 
for instance, are sugar infused or corn syrup infused. And we wanted, we didn't really feel that good about it because like we're harvesting apples in Sweden and then we're making something with marzipan and almonds and, and sugar. And we didn't really feel like that was the good, clean and fair food that, uh, you know, we kind of wanted to see and be a part of. So we kind of came up with our own, you know, values of we wanted the food to be traditional. We wanted it to be not necessarily indigenous, but that they've been growing these plants or, or foods in that area for like hundreds of years. You know, like tomatoes aren't indigenous to Italy, but we're not going to not do a recipe that has tomatoes in Italy, uh, for example. And then we also want it to be seasonal. So, you know, when we go and we document stuff right now, we want the food to be seasonal. We want the people to grow or produce from their own garden or like within zero kilometers. And we try to really find people who are maintaining you know, their village life, their their own culture through growing their own stuff and then cooking what's in the season. And this also helps preserve the, the biodiversity. So that's kind of like where we've narrowed down to like our values in terms of food. Yeah. And, and the other thing is that we don't like to, to when making a recipe, use anything, use anything that's processed just because we don't believe in it. And we want to reinforce, you know, the old ways of cooking, the slow method of cooking. So, you know, we have done recipes before where they go to put in like artificial yeast and we'll be like, hey, oh my gosh, like we actually don't really believe in that. Like, do can you guys, what did they used to do? And they'll say, oh, well, we, you know, we have sourdough too. Like we'll do it with sourdough. That's how our grandma did it. So like now before we do the filming, we always try to tell the people like what we believe in and what you know, what we're trying to get from this is that we're trying to influence people to cook and eat the old healthy way. I think that with our most recent trips and and with a lot of the trips that we've done, especially with slow food, people have a mutual understanding of that. And we haven't really had to like alter any recipes that we've done. Well, it looks like you guys have been in Lebanon recently. What are some of the recipes that you're hoping to highlight from there? And what recipe or like dish most surprised you when you got there? We were in Lebanon during the spring. So during that time, roses were in season. So we collected rose petals and we made rose water. And, you know, a lot of the food and especially the sweets in Lebanon, they use like a, you know, touch of rose water. So for us, it was so interesting that we were actually able to collect the rose petals and then use the rose water and then use that rose water to make mamul cookies kind of like come full circle. So that was like one of, for me, like one of the most interesting things that we did was we distilled the rose petals with this woman, Nada, in, in Lebanon. For me, it was making sage bread or markouk. And basically, it's an old traditional way of making bread where they use a dome-shaped piece of iron and they cook on top of it. They bake on top of it. So they'll bake something called manaish or just saj bread. And saj bread is just a super thin, like paper thin bread, which you use to scoop up food or to wrap, you know, lebni, which is like the strained yogurt or cheese into a sandwich. And we stayed with a woman and her family in Mount Lebanon and we learned how to make that. And Really, the process of making this bread, if you see it, you're in awe. I mean, it's its like she's doing acrobatics with her hands in making this bread. And, the, and even the way that she flattens the bread to get it so thin, it's rhythmic and it's beautiful. And what she says is like, you know, that my grandmother used to make it this way. And, and everyone has their own song that they, that they beat to when they make 
this bread. So staying with her, and then we ended up going foraging with her and her husband, and we foraged for this plant, which is called the gundelia in Latin, or akub in Arabic. And it's this incredible plant, which, like Anthony says, it grows, uh, we were there in May, so it grows up in the mountainous regions, and it and it takes hours to clean once you forage it and then you fry it. And there are all these different ways that you cook it. We, we ended up pickling it. I think for me, that was another really fascinating recipe. What's really great about going to different countries and doing this, especially like in the Middle East and in Europe, well, and Asia as well and Africa, is that they have such old traditional recipes that, you know, they have been making food this way for thousands of years and they've been foraging the same food for thousands of years so you're tapping into this knowledge base that like not only do they know about the food and how to cook it but they know like the medicinal values of the food you know a kub is really great for your liver and they'll talk to you about that so it's just like for us not the other thing with you know we we really have evolved into what we're doing like now when we do a recipe we love to like base it on one ingredient. So like with the Akub plant, we based that whole adventure from that one ingredient and then we cooked it at the end and we ate it. We're also filming what we're purely interested in, what we're interested in, you know? So it's like, we want to learn how to forage for mushrooms in Galicia, Spain. Well, we're going to film about that, you know? Yeah, so like to, to kind of bring this back to Lebanon, the like the stuff that we did that was really cool was like just foraging for a coop. So when we go to a new place or as in Lebanon, we asked, oh, what's in season? So we were trying to catch molahia season, but it wasn't season yet for molahia, which is another plant, but that also opened up opportunities for the rose petals. And then also for another interesting thing called frike, which is cracked green wheat. That is wheat that's harvested six weeks ahead of time about that. And then it's harvested and then it's smoked. So they put the, they put all the wheat berries under a fire and then they literally a guy named Abu Malik he rubs his hands on the on the wheat berries on the green wheat berries and it takes it apart and takes the husk off and then you could eat the green wheat berries after that so that was another really interesting traditional food that we that we got to witness and, and document in Lebanon and we're and like you said we're showing these things right now so some of these films we've already published and some are coming later out in the next couple months. You mentioned that you guys are releasing the films. Can you talk a little bit about what you want the viewers to get out of the films that you put on your website and your YouTube channel? We consider ourselves filmmakers of slow food and culture. And initially we started filming the recipes to share, but as we entered these people's homes and we really got a glimpse of their daily life, we realized that we have such an interesting perspective that we're able access because you know we're entering these people's homes and because of that we're not only collecting this recipe but we're learning about like you know the everyday day-to-day life of this woman and her relationship with her children and you know her relationship to the earth and so through the films at first it was about the recipe and now really like it's about the people's story and we realized like it's really incredible we got we've had messages from our followers saying you know, it's, we, we never realized what it was like to be a woman farmer in, in Palestine or in Lebanon. And to hear that and say, like, hey, you changed our perspective on what, that's, what it means to be that is, I think, a big reason why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. I think to highlight in, like, one sentence, it would probably be to highlight positive food stories in cultures around the world. 
I've watched quite a few of your films and most notably the Lebanese films. I want to talk a little bit about the tools that you guys use. In the Lebanese films, you have these really cute, endearing drawings. Are you guys doing that or is that something that you guys are contracting out? So I started for my birthday, Anthony got me a Wacom tablet and I love drawing. So, you know, before I did this, I didn't think that you could be so happy being creative, but I really like, I love doing the films. I love, I, I always tell when people are like, oh, how do you like editing the films? You know that you like having these experiences. And I feel like editing films is like eating cake for me. I love it so much. And it's the same with like the drawings. I love drawing. So being able to like wrap everything in together is really exciting. And that's so nice to hear you say that because like we just started uh, incorporating the drawings into the films and it's like a nice way to also like pay homage to the people. Like they have, it's just such beautiful imagery that we see and to be able to capture it and, and, you know, use it in a creative way. is really fun. Yeah. And Kelsey, like you, I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised too, because I didn't know she was doing that. And then she showed me the, like the cut of the film and I saw like how the artwork was put into the film. I thought it was really awesome. So I encourage her to keep trying and, and keep going at it with the art. Cause I think it's awesome too. Yeah, it looks great. And before, when you guys were here in Sacramento, everyone was talking about the visuals of the films and just the, how vivid and bright the colors were. Do you guys use special cameras? Or are you guys like using a phone, using a vlog camera? You don't have to give away your secrets, yeah. but. <laughs> no way. I mean, I encourage everyone to like get creative and do their thing. So mm -hmm. we Layla is basically the go ahead on the camera we have an alpha a sony alpha yeah. 77 and we also then use an iphone 6 i believe and sometimes we've used the samsung s7 so yeah we, we phones have been like the secondary camera when we need a close-up shot or if, if i can get a better angle but most of the time we're like it's just layla with the camera getting the best shot and and like us coordinating and communicating in a way that we're able to pause or at the end of the day, it, it really comes down to how well you're able to communicate so that the person knows what your goal is in terms of making the film. Because they're already on the, the same page in terms of sharing their culture with you and sharing their recipes. But if they don't know what the final product of the film could look like, it's hard for them to, you know, have the patience to wait to put the salt in or to, you know, they, they're cooking these recipes their entire lives. So it's like kind of like a route memory that they're doing it on so we're trying to tell them to stop and can we get that moment but when we show people our past films not only are they more on board but it also gives them a better understanding as to have to have patience with us and to show us each step and then therefore we don't need to have like so much equipment because we're all on the same page I want to rewind a little bit back to you had mentioned that you kind of choose the places that you go to based on the places that you're interested in and what, what you're curious about. But then you also kind of mentioned that you wanted to show different voices and different stories. So I'm wondering, what is your actual strategy for choosing where to go next and what you want to do? The way that like our roles work is like I'm, I'm more of like the head of the logistics and planning and finance. So at first, it was really where is it good weather to have seasonal stuff that we're interested in? Where can we get affordable flight to? 
And then where can we find the workaway experience? And that was like our first two and a half years. And then after that, we just kind of had a list of a few countries that we want, like we wanted to do Lebanon. And then after we went to the first time with photographs, we wanted to go back again with video. And then it's mostly been like we choose a location and then something happens. But then we went to Mexico because we did like a, a joint collaboration with Slow Food because they wanted someone to go to Mexico and document some of their Slow Food Presidia. And then we also got contracted by the Welsh Tourism Board to go to Wales. So in those two instances, we weren't the ones that were pushing to go to those countries, but the, these opportunities kind of came to us. Once we told the people what we do and how we do it, we came to an agreement and, and those were two countries and, and places that we didn't necessarily say, hey, we definitely want to go there ahead of time, but it came up and we always feel that there's always interesting food culture to learn anywhere in the world. It's just a matter of how much research you have to do and, and digging deep enough. So yes, like there's a list that we have of countries that we really want to go to, but then we're also very happy to go anywhere as long as, you know, we could be on the same page as whoever's going to be partnering up with us. And, and I think it's funny, before we were publishing Lebanon films, we went to Wales and the Welsh Tourism Board reached out to us and they were like, hey, do you guys want to come to Wales and cover traditional recipes and traditional like artisan food? And we were like, oh, definitely. You know, we never thought to go to Wales. Once we were there, we started doing these films about these artisan food products, but we were really missing out on the traditional recipes. So we, we actually canceled about four or five that were planned for us and we started like you know door knocking again and like we were called nursing home there was this one recipe that we really wanted to find and it was called the Aberfrau cake recipe and basically you use a scallop shell that is from the bay of Aberfrau in north wales and you use that as a mold to make a shortbread cookie and so, you know, we heard about this and we're like, oh, my gosh, we have to find this recipe. So we were calling nursing homes. We were calling all of these different people. We like we were messaging different. You know, we got on Facebook on like social groups of Wales. Like a, I remember I like friended like a dance company in Wales and messaged them being like, do you know anyone that makes this? Um, and we finally found a woman that made the Aberfrau cake. So that's just like a funny story of how we do like find these recipes um it ended up being we did a recipe with a lamb and the woman's aunt knew how to make the abafrau cakes and she used to make them for her husband and her family and so she taught us did you end up leaving with some abafrau shells so that you could make it at home yeah. yourself oh my gosh oh my gosh we did <laughs> yeah we did tilly she gave us abafrau shells and we actually have them we're we're looking at them right now Oh, perfect. <laughs> well, you guys, in the near future or, you know, next three to five years, where do you guys see the recipe hunters going or doing? What's on your to-do list still? I, I think that for for me, at least, I'm hopeful that we're able to get our content in front of more and more people to positively influence them to think different about different cultures. And the more people that we could do that for, the, the more success I feel. I don't necessarily need to have billions of followers on Instagram or social media, but if I, if we're able to convince one other person to like think about Lebanon differently or think about Wales differently or think about Mexico differently, you know, that to me is where I find our success. So if, if three to five years from now, that number has gone up significantly, I would be very happy. Yeah. And for me, 
I don't know. You know, every time I finish, like there are certain people that we make films on and their stories are so incredibly poignant. And what they've done and the challenges that they've faced and and overcome are so inspiring that when we're making these films and, and, you know, almost like paying a tribute to these people through the films, it's like, I never want to stop. Like we just, I, I just was working on a film where we're in Palestine and we're making this old traditional recipe and the people use everything from their backyard and they're just su- such incredible. This, this, you know, woman is just so incredible and her story is so incredible that I just want to keep doing what we're doing and like Anthony said, you know, positively influencing others on, on not only the cultures of other people that are often misrepresented or misunderstood, but also on the old ways of cooking and being sustainable to our planet. And as, as long as we're doing that, I, I too feel successful. Yeah, I think, a, I think a big part of that, at least like when we think about the films that we make, a lot of this we're doing on a very, very tight budget. And we don't think about the money. We, we think more of that woman or that family that invited us into their home and treated us like equals or even better than equals. And like, we want to make the film to show her story or his story as beautiful as they treated us. And if we're able to do that, then no matter what it takes, we're going to tell that story, even if it takes a, you know, a few extra months. Where can our listeners find your current films and your upcoming films? You could find our films on our website, therecipehunters.com. And we also have uh, social media. So we use Instagram. And what's really fun is when we're traveling, we post Instagram stories. So actually tomorrow we're leaving for Europe and starting tomorrow we're going to be, for the next probably three or four months, we're going to be posting Instagram stories of the different traditional recipes that we're making with people around the world and also just our day-to-day adventures. So we post that on Instagram and then we also have a Facebook. So it, on Instagram, it's at The Recipe Hunters and Facebook if you search for The Recipe Hunters. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, too. Yeah, thanks, guys. And keep up the amazing work. We love what you guys are doing. And uh, we will definitely listen to you guys from abroad. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Culinary Citizen today. Before you leave your podcast listening platform, please give us a review. We'd love to hear what you think. You can also reach us at culinarycitizen.com. Otherwise, until next time.